There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if we could become something more. So when they needed us, we could fight the battles that they never could. This is the road <laughs> to infinity. All right. Welcome to The Road to Infinity. Uh, this is your host, Kyle. Uh, with me today is esteemed author Ryan Dalton. Hello. We're uh, here to talk about the first Marvel Cinematic feature, Iron Man. Uh, that was the uh, the theme from the 1966 cartoon Iron Man, which probably most of you have not seen. And if you have, if you have you'll know that it's not something that is a high point in Iron Man's history. <laughs> but it, as a nostalgia piece, it's really fun to go back and look at it. Just if what uh, the one of the first uh, interpretations of the character, um, you know, beyond the comic book page was. Well, now I want somebody um, to do a modern cover of that theme song because that was that was pretty sweet, <laughs> right? Actually, uh, in the movie, that theme actually shows up multiple times. Oh. Uh, I believe it's Tony's ringtone. Uh, uh, and actually plays on one of the computers up too. It's one of those like you know just little hidden Easter egg kind of things because of how obscure it is. Like <laughs> like with the Spider Man theme, when the Spider Man theme shows up, oh, it's a big you know they make a big production of it. But this is sort of just off the side. You have to know in order to know. Interesting. Yeah, um, I, you know it's funny, and it was a little sad, but it was so funny. I about came out of my chair when um, when uh, Spider Man Homecoming started, and it was a big orchestral <laughs> version of that song. And right? Everyone around me looked at me like, "What's that guy's deal?" <laughs> I was so disappointed. Like, none of you know that song, seriously? <laughs> I know. I did the same thing. I was looking around like, do you guys know what's happening right now? Yeah, nobody Michael cares. Michael Giacchino is conducting an orchestra. But yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I loved it, too. Yeah, well, yeah, well t- talking about that in the, in the future episode. So, all right. So, let's get into Iron Man. For those of you who have listened to uh, episode zero, uh, you know a little bit of history. Ryan has not, because I've just recorded at the time that we're recording this. Um, but I sort of set the scene a little bit about where Hollywood was at, where the geeks were at, where where Marvel Comics was at when we started. So now they were pinning their their hopes on a, a drunk man in an iron suit. <laughs> yeah, the, the state of Hollywood superheroes was not good at the time. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and to be honest, I don't think anybody really expected anything from Iron Man because uh, were, you, were you a comic book reader? Oh, at the time? yeah, for, for sure. You know, I, I was a, a huge comic nut as a kid. Okay. I kind of left it as a teenager. And then in my mid 20s uh, i i made friends with a guy who was a a comic nut and he kind of got me back into it so yeah by the time it came out i was uh i was back into it um but i, I think iron man was the perfect choice because he's you know comic nerds knew and, and loved iron man and nobody else did so it was kind of <laughs> like you uh, there, there weren't a huge amount of expectations to live up to so a, a good movie had a, a shot at getting attention yeah, that's very true. Uh, what I, I find interesting is that uh, if you, I look back sort of uh, where Iron Man was at, because so Iron Man as a comic book character was not highly regarded, I would say, at least, especially at this point in his career. Like Iron Man had been, he, he came out and he was part of the Avengers and had his big time, but he hadn't really had anything interesting or compelling in his comic book in a long time. Oh yeah, he was B, B-list at, at best. You know, he was, he was, yeah, he was there, but yeah, there weren't like tentpole events around him. No, no, he was just, he was just one of the guys who would just be like, oh yeah, Iron Man, like, it wasn't like it, if you would if it had been the uh, the pantheon of great Marvel characters, he would not have been in the top ten. Mm-mm. Absolutely, it's like I, I think at the I think one of for for a period there there was um when there was a period where Marvel couldn't figure out what to do with their top tier franchise characters, so they took Fantastic Four and and Iron Man and Captain America and shunted them all off into a, a sub universe. Right. Uh, yeah. That was, that was called heroes reborn. And they basically 
took about the image guys who they had fired earlier and now have now had become huge comic book superstars back into revamp reinvent like hey we don't know what to do with these guys anymore why don't you do something with them <laughs> and so they were largely absent from the marvel universe for a good period of time and they they did their own stuff and then eventually made their way back but even beyond that uh at one point the character had been tony stark was so broken so almost getting to the point where he was evil that they could not figure out how to write their way out of it. Like they, the, some of the writers <laughs> couldn't figure out how to make this person into a hero, how to justify stuff. So they had at one point, the characters travel back in time and find teenage Tony Stark, bring him forward and they killed adult Tony Stark and replaced him with his teen earlier self. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> just like okay we can't let's if we can't reset the clock on the character and give him my life let's just reboot oh, entirely man. the time travel impl- <laughs> as someone who wrote a time travel series the implications of that just make me cry right like, never mind that if you remove teen stony like teen tony from that his time that there will be no tony between that time and the time they bring him back so there's no tony no iron man there's nothing to replace there's no stark industries that like under tony anyway it's <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> oh yeah. No. So to say that they were low on ideas is generous. <laughs> but so he was not. So at, 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 at no level was he a a one that like everyone would want to get their hands on. Like you know, even even though like his 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 star might be diminishing at the moment. Superman. If you say I want to make a Superman movie, you're going to have people lining up. Mm-hmm. Well, you, uh, you should. Like, yeah, Iron Man movie and yeah, <laughs> an Iron Man movie. Uh, they it bounced around Hollywood for a long time. There was the the, the the list of people who have been attached to an Iron Man movie. Tom Cruise really uh, wanted to make one. Tom Cruise, exactly. Tom Cruise was going to be Iron Man for a while, not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but as you know, sort of like the, what they had been doing with all the other Marvel movies as a standalone, just like guy suit fighting monsters yeah. or, or robots or whatever they decided. A to Tom do. Cruise movie that happened. To yes, be. yes, that's exactly right. It would be a Tom Cruise movie that happened to be about Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> so. So the, so the character itself was not really hot property, but it was Marvel decided, like, there's a lot to this character that people aren't seeing. This is where we can start. This is the rock upon which I'll build my church. These, this is the one that we can really do something with. And maybe the low expectations were good in that case because you didn't have people, you go, people walk into a Batman movie, people walk into a Superman movie with a certain level of expectation, but with an Iron Man movie, eh. Well, absolutely. Uh, and it's well it's the same thing it's it's the stranger things effect where something mm-hmm. for most people just kind of comes out of nowhere and they're like what this is awesome uh, and it spawns a whole new thing i mean that like That's true. It, i mean that is even partially responsible for like synthwave coming back and that music yeah. and style and uh, yeah. you know something has cultural penetration when it's it's affecting more than just its own medium uh, right. Yeah. And, and, and so a, a person walking off the street has no baggage with Iron Man mm-hmm. because maybe they'd seen him in the cartoon when they were younger, but probably not. They're just coming in as, I just want to see something interesting. And that's right. what they delivered. And Robert so, Downey Jr. was an interesting story because he had had such a troubled past. And Exactly. Uh, this and, is a good, yeah. good segue into the actual thing of the movie. The, 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 we talked about the, the alchemy of, of the movie. Because um, uh, Marvel had this character-based approach to their movies as opposed to um they have something out there like the the, a typical studio like we have character x we have and and we want to make a movie about him so you screenwriter guy go off and write us a screenplay come back yeah okay we like that you're fired now we get somebody else to rewrite it to the director's (laughs) specification uh right and then we'll make that movie and then it'll be good or it won't be good that's pretty much how it had been marvel said we're going this is the character we want to do and then let's assemble the team that's going to tell the story of that character the best. And then we'll figure out the rest as we go. Right. Because I, I imagine they had gotten tired of seeing other studios mangle. <laughs> just their, it was one of those things like, uh, well, it's the Thanos thing. Fine. I'll do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good metaphor, especially for where we're headed. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they, they, uh, they got together this sort of group. And so they started with, I mean, I, I'm sure I don't know what the, the actual order of they started with was, but um, we started with John Favreau. Now John Favreau was not by any means a, a, a lock for a great movie. I mean, he was at the time he, he sort of made his, his first appearance in Hollywood uh, proper uh, with swingers, but he didn't, 
direct Swingers. He wrote it and, and appeared in it. So he was more known as a performer than he was as a director. Right. And then the he came out with Zathura, which was, I think, his, right. his thing that I, I wonder if it was sort of like a calling card for him. There's like, hey, this, this, this guy does okay. Yeah, and so he comes, and it showed that he could work with you know real Hollywood actors, and he could do stuff on a budget with special effects, all those kind of things. But Zathura was, I don't want to say a bomb, but certainly not a success. No, it didn't. And certainly not like it, a, a romping success that that people you know like went to. Oh, have yeah. you seen Zathura? <laughs> yeah, it was one of those that didn't do gangbusters, but it was a competently done movie. So it, yes, it, uh, yeah, it, it showcased him a little bit. It's interesting to see, like, that was sort of the spiritual sequel to Jumanji. Mm-hmm. And now we have the actual sequel to Jumanji doing monster business. <laughs> right. <laughs> How interesting that, like, like, what people wanted from that versus what they got. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so he was, he was by no means like a, 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 a box office gold. No. Uh, but, but they found they, what they think was the right guy for the job. Like, there's somebody who, who knows his way around. He understands the character. He has a take that we really want to do. And then from there, he, he started building his team. And again, nothing in really in the team that he put together in terms of uh, the actors, uh, the sort of the principal actors really screamed, this is going to be a, a home run either. Because like you were saying, Robert Downey Jr. had had his trouble in the past. We don't need to <laughs> yeah. get into all this stuff. It's well documented. Mm-hmm. And we all know So he was seen as a bit of a risk. Right. <laughs> he, at this point, he was well and truly healthy. You know, there's, there was nothing of, of that going on. Um, but, they were still a little unsure if he could do it. He had uh, made his big comeback in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, mm-hmm. and that was 2005 uh, with Shane Black, who would eventually go on to come to join the Marvel Cinematic Universe in, in, a, in a couple sequels down the line, um, and it, which is a fantastic movie, by the way. If you have not seen that, it is, it is a great, uh, great movie. I highly disagree. I hated that movie. Oh, really? I hated oh, really? It. Yeah. There are only <laughs> two Marvel movies that I... I really genuinely disliked and that is at the top of the pile <laughs> oh. <laughs> note to self don't have ryan on the iron right. Man three episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, oh yeah you don't want me i'll carve that one to pieces you don't want me on that one <laughs> we'll, we'll, have, we'll have the uh, alternate opinion episode where right. you yeah, yeah. but i <laughs> loved this movie so <laughs> yes yeah, so, uh, yeah, we'll focus on iron man so uh he brought uh Ginger, which like on paper is is actually a really great piece of casting because uh, Tony Stark is a person who is who struggles with substance abuse and can be his own worst enemy and Robert Downey Jr. can really empathize with that. Mm-hmm. It was one of those like and besides and the look and the age like it was sort of like oh yeah it's one of those things when you see it you go oh yeah that's just that's just <laughs> of course that just makes sense. Well, I remember but, the, the the night I, I saw who the casting was because we uh oh, really? it was me and nerd friends and stuff and we'd sure i've been you know we'd been keeping up with news about this thing that marvel was doing hey marvel's going to try to make their own movies finally and and there was you know speculation about man who who's going to be iron man and lots of names were thrown back and forth and then i remember uh, it was it was back when like ain't it cool news was the authority right and so yeah. i remember i was at a friend's house and uh somehow he saw that an article had popped up there that evening about the casting and so so like me and three or four other nerd friends went in there and Robert Downey Jr. And I, I remember sitting there thinking, man, he wasn't a name anyone was talking about at all. But within, <laughs> but the more I thought about it, even in those first few minutes, I was like, you know what? That could be really cool. Uh, yeah. Really it, it, in a way unexpected, but I think he could do uh-huh. something interesting with that character. And man, has he proven their choice right a lot? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. As the years have gone by, he is that guy. Like mm-hmm. he's made Tony his and him Tony, and it's hard to know where one stops and the other starts. <laughs> yeah. Well, like as we'll, we'll see periodically through this whole thing, one of the strongest factors in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is casting. Mm-hmm. Like they get the right people to the job, even when you don't think it would work. Yeah. They they find a way to make it work. Um. And same thing with this. I am I am not the biggest Gwyneth Paltrow fan. But I love Gwyneth Paltrow as Pepper Potts. Yeah, she's good in this That's movie. Really I especially liked, and it was short lived. It wasn't in it a lot, but I especially liked their interactions in the first Avengers movie, and this definitely planted yes. seeds for that. And so, yeah, I thought their chemistry was really nice in this movie and, and Avengers. And yeah, it was interesting seeing her kind of. In fact, I remember thinking when she got cast, like that's that seems also like an unlikely choice. But then I mm-hmm. I remember seeing later on that basically he was the one that convinced her to take the job. Yeah, because because you at the time this was sort of you know her her career was also not really on a high, but she was seen I guess aloof. She was seen sort of like looking for that 
big, always that prestige movie. I mean, she'd done Indie Law, but that was yeah, Indie that was Oscar bait. That, that was her stuff. Yes, Indie yeah. Oscar bait. Yeah. That's exactly right. I remember he even, uh, they said, he said to her, come on, don't you want to be in a movie people are going to see? <laughs> <laughs> uh, only Robert Downey Jr. could say that to someone and get away with it. <laughs> That's right, um, and then uh, and then having uh, Jeff Bridges come in as the, the mentor slash villain. Oh, what, a, uh, what a great actor that guy is! Right, and he's one of those guys who there's there's a certain group of actors that are going to show up and deliver, mm-hmm. even in the worst material. This was not the worst material, but he has been great in some terrible movies. <laughs> so the the nice about that is you always know when he shows up, he's going to deliver a really good performance. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but again, even with those three we have so far, not box office gold at all. Like none of them would right. have something on paper that would guarantee there would be a a, a huge success for this. Right. And, I, and I say, I don't judge a movie by how much money it makes, but money translates to me as butts in seats. Right. And like how, how many, like you know, if you put the, the person in a movie, will the people come to see it? Mm-hmm. You know, as much as we, we can love and hate Tom Cruise, but Tom, you put Tom Cruise on a poster and people will show up right well he typically makes entertaining movies so exactly yeah that's, that's like, well, there's a that trust relationship of like they like we come to expect a certain thing from you you deliver the certain thing and we will come and see you again mm-hmm. okay yeah we won't talk about the mummy but <laughs> no <laughs> no that could be a whole podcast in and of itself if you're talking about the mummy. uh so then then they the the fourth interesting question in this was terrence howard now terrence howard at the time was the hottest one of the four which is so strange to look back at 2008 and go, wait a minute, <laughs> Terrence Howard was the star? I mean, like like the, the star power? Yes, absolutely. He had the most star power walking into that movie. He was just coming off of his Oscar for Hustle and Flow. Right. He was, he was, at the, he was the, the Chris Pratt of the time where, where uh, everyone wanted him. Like mm-hmm. he, it was, it was the, every Hollywood was, was, he was courting him for every possible thing. Like he was, his name was around. He was the top guy. And uh, I believe uh, he actually made more money on this movie than Robert Downey Jr. did. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. Because he was the hot star. And so like that, he had that negotiating power. Uh, and I think that would lead to him not appearing in Iron Man 2. <laughs> well, that's that's for a future conversation. Right. But but at the time that he was, and and I gotta say, I have no problem with his performance at all. Oh. I think he's a great role. No, I thought he did great. But, yeah, I mean, as, as as even coming in, being the second, like knowing that you're not the guy, you're the other guy. You know, he does. He makes it his own. Like he, you feel like Rhodey is going off and doing his life. I, I always like how. I don't know if it's actor or director choice, but it always feels like whenever Tony shows up, it's not like Rhodey was just sitting there waiting for something to happen. He's going about his life, and then Tony shows up, and then something happens. That's right. to do it. Like he, he's talking to recruits. He's uh, working with his DOD contact. I mean, like he's doing stuff. Oh yeah, he's uh, an active character for sure. Yes, yes, exactly. It's not one of those like a sidekick thing where he's waiting around for the hero to to give him a tap on the shoulder. <laughs> no, he's absolutely out and doing things. So that so you have that, and then you have. I guess even most of the actors and 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 things would and the director would say, script is a very broad term. <laughs> when they started production, uh, if what I understand, it was a loose collection of this. We're going to do a bunch of scenes about this, and they had a, a timeline and stuff and, and and things what they wanted to do, but not so much of a story. <laughs> so right. they they were sort of writing it on the way, and even that, like I, I I'm a writer myself, and and, and Ryan is as well. Uh, so I tend to look for the writers and stuff too, and I and I looked up these writers too, and they they yeah, they there's two groups of two guys, and I imagine it was sort of like they were every day trying to figure out what was happening on set and what was going <laughs> on, because they ended up having a lot of improvisational oh, scene, yeah. a lot of like <laughs> like. Uh, Here's what you need to accomplish. Go do it. Some people adjust well to that and some people don't. It, it, I mean, if the rumors are true, a decent amount of the mm-hmm. way into at least pre-production, maybe during production, they were planning to, to use Mandarin uh, as the villain. When it was first announced at uh, Comic-Con, he announced that the villain was going to be Mandarin. And then suddenly it became, it was Ironmonger. Um, yeah. Which, yeah, it, I'm very curious, like at what point in the process it, it, it took such a, a turn. Um, yeah, and maybe they thought Jeff Bridges ended up being underutilized. So, uh, yeah. so hey, let's make him the bad guy. Yeah, I, yeah, cause I had heard that they they were th- they they had already 
you know, they put Obadiah Stane. Obadiah Stane was not ever a mentor to Tony in the comic books. He was um, a rival. Mm-hmm. So he was uh, another. Uh, and when Stark Industries sort of fell on hard times, Stane Industries swooped in and took it over. And so he became sort of like, hey, guess what? I'm your new boss. And it be and that that's how it it, it developed in there. They decided to, to make him the mentor, the father figure, um, in this instead. Uh, and then, of course, I think they had intended for him to be the villain in the next one. Like they were going to have the the scheming in the background, and maybe at the end, like maybe there would be some blueprints of the Ironmonger armor or whatever, and they'd be like, oh, so in Iron Man two, then then he would be the, the the real villain, and after he had defeated the Mandarin. But yeah, but somewhere along the line, they're like, hey, this would be more interesting as you know, Tony's got to fight his father <laughs> or his father figure, <laughs> right? Yeah, because <laughs> Tony literally Tony's been fighting his father pretty much his whole life. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so then you that's so then you have your core team that are coming in to, to make the movie and uh, and that, that's what's the, the amazing to me about this movie is like everything is stacked against it. Right. <laughs> you have a first time studio, Marvel Studios was created for this, and this was their only project. Like they they basically have all their eggs in this basket. A, a, a Tim Feige is a producer, but he was never been in charge of a, a, a an imprint a studio before. He'd been behind the scenes on a lot of the X Men stuff, but never anything this big. Uh, a leading actor with a past, right. <laughs> a leading actress that not known for this you know, the, the fandom, not not you know, and then and then a, a loose script, and then hopefully we can figure out the special effects as we go. And yet somehow it all worked. <laughs> it's the magic and of, of that amount of talent and that passion and that the, the, the right place, the right time, the right people doing the right thing. And you get something that still to this day stands the test of time. Ten years later, watching it again, it's still a great movie. Yeah, it was still awesome. Uh, and I mean, yeah, I, I'm sure equal credit goes to people like, you know, um, Feige, of course, and then John Favreau yes. and then mm-hmm. behind the scenes, people like the, uh, the people oh. like the costume designers for the suits. Yes. Um, Stan Winston studio. Right. That was his, one of his last films and, you know, good film editors. Those guys are, mm-hmm. are artists, even though they really don't get, yes. they don't get a lot of credit as that. Absolutely. As totally someone who's trying to teach himself editing, <laughs> I can tell you it is a hard skill. Yeah. It is a skill. It's very much a skill and very much an art. And it's, those guys don't, I think, don't ever get the credit they deserve. It's more than yeah. it should be more than a technical award at the Oscars. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. there is, I'm sure, a lot of like late nights and a lot of dedicated people trying to make it happen. And and actually, you're right. It's that kind of alchemy that just happened to work. Yeah, and uh, and it's still like even in going through, I I still just get caught up in it too. And even uh, there's there's a lot of times that uh, my 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 friend Lori. Uh, says she's another writer and so we always go back and forth uh and one of her things she always says talking about uh these the expansion movies like the expanded storytelling and the, and the longer story and stuff too is she talks about with king kong like you go into a movie called king kong <laughs> because you want to see king kong right <laughs> so her, so her phrase for whenever we're writing something and, and people are taking too long is get to the monkey <laughs> yeah so I, I think that too is so i watch iron man and i don't feel that way like I'm invested. Like I'm, I'm watching it, and I'm like, I'm wa- I'm interested in Tony. I'm interested in what's going on. I'm interested in the world. I'm interested in everything that's going on. I'm not like, why is he in the suit yet? Right. Yeah. Because they they make it all engaging, and they they give you. It's not just plot stakes; it's also personal stakes that you care about. Yes. Um, in fact, my my favorite scene in the whole movie, and it's my favorite every time I watch it, is where he's he's developing the suit at home. He's he's got mm-hmm. it mostly built, and um. He's watching on. It's after he found out that uh, his company was selling to overseas to terrorists, and he's sitting on mm-hmm. the couch watching the news of that village being terrorized. And, yeah, and he's got the glove on, and he's adjusting it, and he's just watching the news and simmering. And you, uh-huh. you can see inside that his blood is slowly coming to a boil. And yeah, I just love that because you you can see what he's going to do slowly rising up in him, and it, it's yeah. it's I compare it to sort of um, in uh, the Dark Knight Returns the the comic mm-hmm. book. There's a there's a sequence of events that leads up to him putting the costume on again that really just ramps up the tension. And so finally, yeah. when it happens and he appears, it's like this this huge sigh of relief. Yeah, uh, it was just really beautifully done. Yeah. And and even the even the effects even hold up too. That oh yeah, the, the how he looks. Uh, one of my favorite scenes is um, well, a little a little trivia side note thing. As I was watching, as I was 
watching it, you know, both as a fan and also like looking deeper at the movie about things I hadn't seen before when they're going through the, the montage sequence at, uh, in the beginning, which is, I thought was a brilliant way of like establishing, seeing the biography of Tony Stark mm-hmm. without having someone sit down and say, you know, my father once like, yeah. it's a nice way. Of, <laughs> it was elegantly done. Right. And, and you know, it's, it's the no warts version as opposed to the warts dull version. You know, this is the glittery version <laughs> of it. You know, they're skipping over a lot of like probably some dark stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but in the process, they show him at 18 they say that uh, Tony Stark uh, develops first AI, and it's dummy. It's the ro- it's the right. robot arm. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, he made a robot when he was a kid, and the robot he still has the robot. Mm-hmm. That's like his that's like his term paper. It's his school project, and he still keeps it around. Yeah, it's like his it's like his friend that he made that he keeps. Yes, around. exactly. Kind of it's like uh, it's, it's yeah, right. It's the old dog that he still has. Mm-hmm. It's it's Jarvis's grandfather essentially, because uh-huh. like, eventually he you know, and then we'll know he does grow on to create true AI with Ultron, <laughs> but dummy is the, the first version of that. But I thought that was, that was a fun, not, I think is, is um, uh, the, the whole uh, montage of him making the suit. But the first time in the silver suit, when he's going out to take it for its first flight, mm-hmm. it, like there, there's that thing of like, we could never be Superman. Maybe we could be Batman, but like we could be Tony Stark because it's a guy in a suit, uh-huh. but it gets that, that excitement feeling of what would it be like? to really fly in this suit. And so you see him sort of trying it and like, and figuring it out and, and, and figuring out how he's going to stand, how he's going to put his arms, like all those kind of things. And then just kind of going, well, it might as well just take it out for a flight. And then that, that like, and he zooms out and he has that like yell of joy of like, yeah, as he flies out into the world. And it, I'm, I'm, here's my armor standing up, just remembering it. Cause it's, it's just that like, it's exactly like we, the character and the audience are, absolutely together in that mm-hmm. and yes <laughs> he's flying <laughs> yeah and at the same time you're seeing seeds of kind of like how his personality is showing even through the armor in like you said yeah i haven't even tested it let's okay let's right. go full speed immediately uh, so at the at the same time as it's yeah it's exhilarating it's also incredibly true to character yes and and, and even at the end of that sequence he pushes too hard almost dies (laughs) always pushing pushing almost dies and then recovers and then ends up you know like crashing down and then you know dummy sprays him with the thing (laughs) it's just like it's like i say that that you're talking about all the different people that went into it the amount of people that had to go into to create that you know like into like everything but and like right down to to his performance robert downey is incredibly funny in that and even though he most of the time he's probably just spent with just the box on his head, you know, just like the <laughs> camera right there in his face, you know, and then the special effects people and the editors and, and you know, Favreau coordinating the whole thing. Like it's this amazing, thrilling sequence that's exactly what you want. Uh, all these people working together and you come up with that kind of thing. But and and let's say there's there's a series of those that way. But like we we're just talking about favorites. That's that's absolutely one of my favorites. Well, and you mentioned something that I also want to call out that I think. It, it it doesn't get a lot of attention, I think, just because once you see it, it's so it feels so natural that you don't think about mm-hmm. it. Is the view? It had to. They had to have gone through a hundred iterations of what's it going <laughs> to look like when we see his face in the suit. What's his yes. going to look like? How do we show you his face while he's got this this helmet on? And a, an incredibly simple, what turns out to be an awesome solution is let's just shoot a full face shot. We'll put some graphics around him so you get the idea and i mean it's so simple but in the execution it really works yeah. i think I, I, I this might be a quote from matt fraction but i can't remember i think it was matt fraction because he was writing the iron man comic when the when it came when the movie came and out he wrote it really <laughs> well said, his series was killed oh he did yeah so if if you are fans of the comic and you want to get into the iron man comic books absolutely start with invincible iron man by matt fraction mm-hmm. issue one like his that whole series he had and it is nice because it thematically ties into what's going on in the movie too which i don't in ways i don't want to spoil right but and then also you'll get up through the extremist storyline and you can see it actually done yes. right uh, yes so. <laughs> <laughs> the comments of ryan dalton, right. long to ryan dalton type. <laughs> uh, but uh he said uh something like, I, I if i could find the quote i would i would put it up but uh he says um Iron, they've been doing Iron Man comics since the 1960s, and yet it took John Favreau putting him in the suit and having the camera like on his face before we all went, oh, 
so right. How many artists, how many writers had, had done Iron Man? And it was like, oh, you could just show his face with the, oh. <laughs> just like splash a blue light on him, put on some, uh, some right. you know, He's like, some and dials took, and Favreau, Right, you took John Favreau to, to come up with that idea. And everybody goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, why didn't we think of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, one, the only complaint, I guess, is that this, getting back to Matt Fraction, has another one of my favorite comic book quotes. Um, there's, because you get to, there's there's a, se- there's a sequence in his comic called Casanova where um, two of the, the, the like, it, Casanova is a very heady comic. It's, it's a lot of fun and stuff too, but it's it's like, it gets into a lot of really, really weird, dark stuff, sort of very Warren Ellis-y kind of like oh. twisted uh, alter realities and that kind of stuff. But it's, it's always, has, it has a light sort of fun tone to it. Um, but there's this, uh, there's, a, there's a battle between like the, the essentially the hero and the villain, even though the, 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 the lines are not quite that clear in the comic. And they're fighting and fighting and fighting. And so it goes over, over a course of like two pages. And in every panel, there's a description of it. The two combatants, and, and they're all crossed out. So for the entire the comic, like there's all these like the descriptions of what's going on in the fight, but uh, they've all been marked out and it gets to the end and you can see like almost like a, like a piece of tape with it handwritten over it. And it says, because the genre demands it. <laughs> and I feel like that with a lot of movies, but I feel like that a lot with uh, Iron Man is that you get a, two guys in iron suits fighting at the end. Why? Because the genre demands it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's sort of like there's a, there's a, there's a, a bit of uh uh, of string pulling towards in the third act to like get to the fact that there's two guys in robot suits fighting. <laughs> okay. <you know? laughs> it's, it's, it's well done, but you can still see the the strings are being pulled a little bit. Cause it's sort of like, eh, we really have to end with, you know, the, 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 where like that sequence could have been pulled from pretty much any other, you know, guys in suits fighting thing. And it would have been pretty much intact. Eh, eh. <laughs> it's nitpicky. I admit, and there's and there's there's some parts of Obadiah's plan I don't quite understand, <laughs> like how he expected things to go and how it actually went. I, I don't I don't quite doesn't quite line up for me. But you know those are picky things. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Um, Stain is yeah a, gets a little a little bit murky uh, yes. at the end. Um, but uh, yeah, there's two guys in suits. Uh, pummeling each other, so who cares, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, but but it, it, but it is extremely well done. Like I've seen, oh I've seen yeah, that, I had a blast that, that final fight. Uh, even in even some movies that came out recently, uh, where it's just you know two CG things just battling, just knocking against each other, and you're like, okay, great, can we get to the, <laughs> can we move on, right? Like, well, and, um, and a- but this is very well done because they're they're in it. There is there is comedy. There is like the you you don't Iron Man has been this amazing suit of armor, and you he is outmatched. Like you feel like oh yeah, he really has to play this smart because he's underpowered, he's hurt, he's you know, and then verse you know, so it's technology versus technology but it's it's also it comes down to the guy in the suit really winning the day right um and i'll tell you one of the other things they do well in that fight and a lot of movies don't do this so i notice it when they do um the guys fighting fight in the style of their personality so they fight like who they are yes um yes and i love it when that happens because and that's how you avoid having it feel like two random dudes in two random suits just beating each other because they fight. You can see their character expressed through their fighting styles. So, yes. Sort of like Spider-Man. You expect certain things from him. You expect him to be mm-hmm. you know, this fast, agile guy, but you also expect him to make fun of guys while he's punching them and you know, just be quippy and things. And, yeah. uh, and seeing them still be like not have their character abandoned while they're fighting um, is uh is i really appreciate that and and you reminded me of another scene that i really like uh when you Mm -hmm. said because it ends up being more about the guy in the suit um Mm -hmm. i loved there's a point to me in the movie where they hammer home in a very in a very subtle way but Mm -hmm. it, it emphasizes okay this is why tony stark is a superhero even though he's a normal guy because it's when stain was trying to get the uh other stark engineers to do what tony did with the arc reactor and the, and, the, and the other guy says, yeah, this is impossible. And he's like, Tony Stark did this in a cave with a box of scraps. And the guy says, I'm sorry, I'm not Tony Stark. I remember the first time in the theater going, and that's why he's a superhero. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. Because all, the, all the, the, the tech was there, but he he, could, uh-huh. he he was the one that actually could put it together and do that. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. And, yeah, and, and, and that the nice part about that is, is the, uh, the sort of the unspoken thing is, 
and you're not either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're the weapons guy. You've been around this stuff just as long as it. How come you can't do it? Right. <laughs> Mr. Stain. Yeah. And he knew it too. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, but yeah, all just really well done. And yeah, you don't often have that good a mix of, of good mm-hmm. character, but also, you know, fun spectacle. And, and the cherry on top of all of the performances is, of course, Agent Coulson showing up for the very yes. first time. Like one of those like brilliant pieces of casting, just like this. Uh, uh, Clark Gregg was just a, a uh, character actor. Like mm-hmm. he was just like, he was happy to be like fifth lead, you know, just he's one of those guys who would just come in, deliver a solid performance and move on. Well, like, he, he was, directed some stuff too. Yeah. I mean, he's a very, very creative guy. Mainly a but, screenwriter. Um, but then yes, it was yes. almost like a personal favor to a friend that he was like, all right, I'll go play this little character. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've heard, I think he's been doing a lot of interviews and stuff because like, Shield's approaching its uh, 100th episode. Mm. And he was talking about how um, he was a comic book fan, and so he knew this stuff. So he they said he read, the, like, he would just get, uh, you know, because as a, as a low end actor, you don't get the script. You get, <laughs> you get, you get your scene. Uh-huh. If, if that, you know, in this movie, it was like they would, like, the, 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 the copy would still be warm from the printer when they handed it to him. Um, uh, and so uh, his stuff, he was talking about, oh, I'm from the strategic homeland. Is this Shield? Are you guys doing Shield? Like he, he, of all the people, he knew exactly what it was going on. He's like, "Am I? Am I an agent of Shield?" Yeah, <laughs> so he was uh, a fan already. Super and cool. It just like, and and he's one of those guys that he, without chewing the scenery, he is very present in all of his scenes. Mm-hmm. Like he really makes an impression by being sort of your your border your your typical government bureaucrat kind of guy. But he's compelling enough that you're like, oh, hey. Like who's that guy without drawing focus on awesome? Yeah, uh, the he, other actors. his presence in the first one is slightly dweeby when you first meet him. Yes. He doesn't seem like a secret agent, but then it's like as it goes on, you start to yeah. see okay, there's a little there, there's some fire to this guy. It's just kind of hidden hidden underneath. And right, um, and, and, yeah. and I think the, one of the best examples of that is um, when. They have to break into Stain's library, and Pepper's <laughs> yeah. there, like doing all the stuff on the, you know, trying to do the keypad, and he's like just very casually going about his business, like, okay, we need to do this, all right? I'm just gonna put this here, and she's like, uh, ma'am, you should probably step back. Like he's right. very calm and polite as the door is about to explode. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm just a man doing a job. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that, and and he, and that's and that's what he remains in the whole thing. He's just a guy doing a job, and that's been one of the one of the best parts about it. Yeah, it's it's amazing how much. Like you were talking about, okay, uh, uh, circling back to the the fight scene thing, I think the showing character in fight scenes is one of the things that from this movie has established through all the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. I think you could you could talk for half an hour just on the Winter Soldier about that exact thing. Oh, There's man. you know five fighters in that essentially, and they all fight so differently. And I think coming back to this. I think that you're exactly right. I think that this established that tone of it's not just about I'll let the programmers go off and and do that and then we'll just stick it in the movie. Like it's about telling the story, telling character through the animation stuff too and how they they move differently, how they fight differently, how they act differently. Absolutely. Uh, And they're at the same time as they're showing uh, character, they're also, I mean – I love a good fight scene and they just, I get super oh, yeah. jazzed with those scenes. Like uh, whenever I have to write a fight scene, there are certain go-to mm. ones that I have like saved on YouTube and stuff. And um, there's like the main one with Cap and Bucky from winter soldier. Um, oh, yes. And then like, there's, there's a few others. Like there's as much as I load the movie, there's the warehouse rescue scene from Batman versus Superman. And um, oh, yes. yeah. Yes. And there's just a few others, a couple from 300. There's, um, uh, and, oh, there's a really cool montage that someone put together with all of Black Widow's like coolest fights. Oh yeah, um, and I just love sitting there and watching that. Um, and you're and you're right. They, I mean, it looks like each of their fighting styles springs from a very different person with a whole different life. And um, yeah, they're really good at each of them having their own identity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll get into it more when we get to later movies. But one of my favorite things that the, they do the special effects is watching the original stunt footage, the stunt double for Scarlett Johansson, like what her name is Heidi Moneymaker. <laughs> nice. Um, she, she, and she's, and she's been, uh, her, she's like, she and Scarlett are like inseparable. Like they're like, she does all the movies together, but she is amazing. Like just watching her do her stuff. But she 
what and her team put together here's how we think the fight should go stuff there's you can and then one of the special features was watching that happen and so seeing them actually like those performers do that and the same thing learning to move like their actors that they're doubling for move and also like what the characters are move is fascinating to me like i love watching them figure that stuff out and you can see just how they stand mm-hmm. and how they move the have uh, have that uh, have that uh, amazing sort of body sense uh, that's what I, that's, uh, I always hope those special features will be there just to watch the stunt performers really get to shine and to show their stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, so, so Iron Man uh, comes out and is a monster success, like <laughs> way more than anybody had ever anticipated it would. Um, uh, one of the biggest films of the year and, and it would keep on keeping on. Um, so much so that I think, I think they had almost uh, bet the farm essentially on the success of this and, and one. <laughs> oh, big time. And from this, then they were allowed, like, from here, they were allowed to go on and say, okay, we've done that. What else you got? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, but what else they had was a plan for a <laughs> continuous universe, which they did <laughs> by putting in the Easter egg. Now, oh, through the what movie, a stinger, too. Right? Through the movie, there's little little bits of, like, rocks on and that kind of stuff, and they, they sort of allude to things like that. But they, like, I, I was wondering... If they would mention Captain America, because you know his father, you know, like your father helped develop the neutron bomb, like he talked about that kind of stuff. Like he was, he was around in there. You do see the Captain America shield, yeah? Is it, is uh, it in the background? It's it's in the background when uh, he's getting the suit pried off of him and Pepper catches him oh, for the okay, first yeah, time. That's right. it, and that's it's right. just so, it's not even like the you could tell at that point they hadn't decided the direction they were going to go with captain america because it's it's not the actual shield that cap actually has um, yes but well it, we know the cap cap had the actual shield. right but it is a captain america <laughs> shield that's on his desk yeah yeah it could be like yeah a prototype or another mm-hmm. yeah um so yeah so then um they it, so much so that like that is what i call one of my favorite expressions is uh, uh throwing your hat over the wall <laughs> because like you throw your hat over the wall what do you gotta do you gotta go over the wall to get it mm-hmm. like at this point like they're at you gotta go get it. so in the same kind of thing like they went you know, this might be the only movie we make. Let's go for it. And they brought in Nick Fury and and basically name-dropped the Avengers. Mm-hmm. In the first movie, like, wow. <laughs> and every fanboy went insane. Now, uh, um, I, this, I was trying to remember this, and I could not remember from you. Maybe you do. How did we, you, me, <laughs> any of us, find out that that existed? Like, I sometimes would stay for credits, but I wasn't the thing I did all the time. How did we know? I guess it was in a cool news. Yeah, because- I, I'm pretty sure it was in a cool news article that, yeah, I think it broke. That was like, Hey, stay, stay, stay till the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there had been, I think someone got a spy shot of, of Samuel. Of Sam? Oh, wow. Um, and to, or something. There was at least, it, if, even if it wasn't a spy shot, I, there might've been, was there a rumor that he was on set and it got people oh. speculating it, it either, either way there was, yeah, I remember the kind of the, the geek sphere on the internet was like, this may be something at least stay and just see what happens. Right. Right. And now, and now of course, you know, we're, we're conditioned to it. I stay through the credits. Right. It's about everything. <laughs> well, we're conditioned to it so much that the DC movies had to come out and say, yeah. we don't have post credits. We don't have it. Don't yeah, stay. Yeah. We're not doing that. <laughs> um, the, uh, one of the things that, that, that is a lot of um, the Marvel cinematic universe is based on the ultimate universe. Yeah. So Marvel had their their continuity and like it's basically with with a few minor adjustments is the same continuity that's been going on since since they started writing in the in the sixties. We'll say sixties. Um, it's been one continuous story. So with the ultimate universe, they wanted to sort of make it easier for regular people to get in. I think it was sort of inspired by the Spider-Man movies where people would go to re- pick up a Spider-Man comic and go, whoa, he's married. Like, oh, right. I, I what's going on? Like, they're like, okay, we need something that people can just like walk off the street, pick up an issue and be okay with it, not knowing 30 years of right. history. So Marvel created what was called the ultimate universe. It was now. So it was like happening, like in the two thousands, but like basically happening. If Spider-Man was bitten by the spider. Now, mm-hmm. if the X-Men just got their powers now, it was all now, now, now. And it was, very light in terms of continuity. So they, and they, their version of the Avengers were called the Ultimates. Mm-hmm. And it was the same kind of thing. They had established the characters and they sort of brought them together. And it was very adult. It was, I mean, the Ultimates themselves, it was very like in your face and, and, and intense and that kind of thing. But one of the things they did was have their Nick Fury be 
a bald black guy who was modeled after Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, right. And, and, and in the comics, they make that joke. Like they, they're going around saying, who do you want? Who would you want to play you in a movie? And like, <laughs> yeah. he makes the joke. Ah, that'd be funny if Samuel L. Jackson played me. And so <laughs> flash forward, you know, a couple of years later to when they actually came out. And I, I think that those were like around the two thousands is when those three came out. When uh, that, he actually shows up for the first time on screen it's Samuel L. Jackson playing Nick Fury, so a lot of people think it was the, it was it was the other way around that, that they, they changed it in the comics because of that. But it was actually like a, a to their version of it in the Ultimate Universe. That's how he looked, mm-hmm. and so that's why he looks like Marvel Cinematic Universe and a fantastic choice. I mean, like oh, yeah. the um, Nick Fury himself in the the original Nick Fury, I guess you'd say Nick Fury Senior. I think his son is also named Nick Fury, who's now the well <laughs> that, that goes down a whole other wormhole. <laughs> that's so a rabbit hole, but. The, the the original Nick Fury was fought in World War Two mm-hmm. uh, and was just a, a white guy. He had the patch and all that kind of stuff and, and 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 that. But he was just your sort of James Bondy kind of spy. He was just like you know like the martini and cigarette and the, you know the silent pistol kind of like that. He was a World War Two hero first and then that and then he became sort of like a super spy and thing. And so for this they they have him more as the. Uh, Spy master, puppet master, behind the scenes, sort of uh, going through and, and establishing all this stuff. But it was one of those like it could have just been a one-off thing. It could have like never come back ever again. It could have just been like a fun cameo. <laughs> right. you know, shows I would do that. But it turns out this they, we, we've had a great movie. You know, all the way through Iron Man, at the credits, and you go, "Oh man, that was fantastic!" And you have this other thing going. By the way, we're playing the long game, right? <laughs> and in a way that we have never seen before or since. In terms of like, okay, you want people to talk about, maybe we'll do sequel. Like, no, I'm, I'm 10 movies down the line, man. <laughs> like, yeah. I have a plan. And they're the only one so far still 10 years later to start and complete, in a way, a successful shared cinematic universe. Nobody yes. else has done it well at all. No, no, and many have tried. And I, I think that it, it comes back to what that most of them don't understand is not only first make a great movie, stick which the this was. Yes. Stick the landing. Yeah, stick the landing. Like from, from the jump. Like you got to be great from the jump. <laughs> yeah. But also, it's the characters. I think that, in my opinion, where Marvel succeeds is the character centric approach exactly like they they say like what's going to be best served by each of these these characters and then build out from there as opposed to what are we gonna have them do now what are we gonna have them fight on mars we're gonna have i mean <laughs> it's about what the because right? because through all the whole thing even the ups and downs their characters are consistent oh yeah uh, and, with, and, you know yeah. With, with what they are yeah, and yeah, people identify with them so much and just fall in love with them. And that's that's how essentially what they did with Iron Man, that's how they did it again with Guardians of the Galaxy because it was something yes. even less people had heard of, yet they had right. ki- killer characters that carried that through the really a really good action movie. Yeah, and I don't I don't know if if like okay, so let's say that they decided to that Guardians of the Galaxy is something that has to be earned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you have to build a good. Like uh, we were, I remember way back when 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 the first X Men movie came out, and that was for geeks. That was like Nirvana. Like it was <laughs> the best. Yeah. I mean, like like I said, Blade had been a huge thing. I don't I don't want to discount that. Blade was a, a major major influence on on comic movies being taken seriously. But um, when X Men came out, and you're like, oh, Wolverine. That's just like he's taller, but he's, he's just like I thought. <laughs> In, in, in a way, the stuff was taken. The things that we grew up on that we we loved was being shown respect, like for one of the first times. Yeah. Uh, um, and then the, we were talking to my friends, like, "Oh man, what are they gonna do next?" And one of my friends says, "They need to do Apocalypse next." And I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> I was like, "All right, you have to understand where the modern movie audience is now. Like, we've just established, hey, there are people who are mutants with powers. There's a guy with claws. There's a guy with <laughs> magnet powers." They are not ready for a big blue shape shifting Egyptian <laughs> that wants to wipe out all of humanity. They're not ready, and I think the and and you see how long it was before they got to something like Apocalypse. So you the same thing with Marvel. Like like you got Iron Man, you got like guy in suit. I don't want to say the audiences are, are are simple or whatever, but there's you have to build up that goodwill. If Guardians of the Galaxy had come out next, I don't know that it would have been as successful. Yeah, maybe because not because they, they weren't ready. Yeah, they didn't have the reputation for yes. Uh, in fact, I I read this this great. Oh, was it a tweet? Someone said, and then someone it got copied and retweeted. But um, it was around that time uh, when. Uh, they were putting that out and then we still weren't sure whether there was going to be a Wonder Woman movie at all. And 
someone mm-hmm. tweeted a thing like, oh, DC saying, <laughs> we're not sure if audiences are ready for a female superhero. And then Marvel saying, here's a raccoon in a talking tree. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. Because because they had built up the goodwill with the audience. That's, uh, I mean, even now, they uh, the stuff that's coming, like they they built up enough that we're just like, all right, show us what you got. Mm-hmm. You know, like. When uh, you know, with, with we'll, I'm sure we'll we'll talk more detail about uh, the history of Ant Man, but the fact that there's an Ant Man movie first of all, <laughs> and that there's all this controversy behind the scenes, where we're sort of like, is this gonna really come together? Right, yeah. And we all went, all right, show us. You know, like it, it wasn't like there. There's sometimes there's something come out that has bad vibes going even before it comes out that you're like, oof, uh, <laughs> let's see how this is. Um, but uh, and, and we and we trusted them, and they delivered. Yeah. Tom Hanks said, "When you make a good movie, that earns you three more movies." <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, one of those has to be good in order for you to get to do more. Now, I think that that he said that probably in the '90s. <laughs> I don't know that that's true now. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you get three movies anymore from one, but uh, one will get you a couple more. And the same kind of thing, like uh, like everyone that comes out buys more goodwill. Mm-hmm. So even if they stumble on something. We're we're willing to forgive that thing, but so far they have. I think there's some there's some um, learning curves here at the start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's some missteps along the way that we're gonna we're gonna talk about in, in the coming weeks here. Um, but they ha- have always like treated the fans with respect and not flat out lied to us like some of the other ones uh-huh. have done. <laughs> yeah, I think that buys a lot of goodwill too, where they're just like we're going to keep stuff from you. That's intentional because right. we want you to be surprised and enjoy it. Um, but we're never going to flat out say this person is alive, this person is dead when they aren't, and just to just to build that kind of stuff up. Like, well, a, a, another non-comic franchise recently did, but I don't want to get into that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, overall, uh, yeah, that's okay. So, so in sort of in, in wrapping up, yeah, uh, Iron Man is still. A, a gold standard by which uh, not only superhero origin movies should be done, um, but also that uh, the the character centric approach, the that that way of of allowing um, creatives to be creative and not to force by studio mandate of like here's the things that have to happen. I think that's a lesson Marvel. I still I think is at this point is still has to learn, <laughs> as we'll see in the next couple of movies. Um, where 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 to step back and let creatives be creatives uh, and then where to step in and be the studio right well i think it's something you have to keep relearning probably because every with every because yes. every project is different every yeah. project every director you know every project coordinator is different and yeah it's yeah. it's uh it's got to be a delicate dance each time so we're gonna look to final thoughts here i have i have i have one final thought too and i'll, I'll and as i'm talking i'll let you think of what yours are and then we'll sort of sure. uh, uh, wrap up here so one of the things that i really really liked about iron man was that tony stark was a grown-up he was a man like and all these things we've seen uh, okay, so with Batman, he was a kid and his parents were killed. And so he's had that sort of, I mean, he's obviously like, you know, he's Batman, but he always has that arrested development thing where he is, has that naivete of I can change the world thing. Um, Spider-Man always is a teenager. Like he's a kid and something happens to him. But Tony Stark was a guy. He was, he had lived his life. He was in his thirties. Like he would like, I have a plan. This is what I'm going to do. This is what my life is. And then something happens that radically changes how it happens. And in the terms of the superhero, I was going to say milieu, but that sounds really pretentious. Um, that's extremely rare. Call it a like tour de force. That'll make it even more pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're finding the genre which says that, uh, that uh, he is a grown-up person who then has a life-changing event and then goes off from there. That is extremely rare in superheroes. Like when we first meet Batman, he's already Batman. Like he hasn't gotten all even even let's let's say Batman Begins that's the the most common frame of reference for everybody when we meet adult Bruce in the in um, the jail he in the prison he is already Batman he just hasn't like gotten all the pieces together yet mm-hmm. so and and he had really if you if you go depending on by that interpretation he has been Batman since that night in the alleyway. Like Bruce Wayne died there in Batman. Thing. Well, that's a whole. I mean, we can do a whole right. Batman podcast. Gee, I wonder if anybody else has thought of that. <laughs> um, but every other major superhero has either always had their powers, or they're a kid and something happens to them. 
like they suddenly get their powers. Uh, uh, X Men, they get they they're they're a teenager and they get their powers. All the things, but. Tony Stark was a, a man who's going about his life. He had his plan. He had his, his going on. And then something happened, and he he changed his entire life to do that. The fact that they managed to sell that as a way to sell toys and stuff, too, is is amazing. Uh, I mean, uh, this goes back to Stan Lee. Stan Lee, you know, obviously this was his idea of uh, even I, I was watching some of the behind-the-scenes of Iron Man. Him talking about, I wanted to write, having, give myself a challenge. I wanted to write a character that everyone on paper should hate <laughs> and make you love him. And so at the time, that was during the 60s, during the war, I think he's like, I'm going to have this guy be a war profiteer who sold weapons to, to you know, to you know, like basically everything that the, that the, the peace movement would hate. And I'm going to make you love him. And I think that that's great. But one of the things that I like about the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that they take people Tony, let me let me just go go back to say that Tony Stark, as an adult, having this happen to him, and he sees things differently than a naive kid, as Spider Man would. Spider Man sees something bad going on and be like, "Why is the world like this?" Well, Tony knows why the world is like that because he helped make it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So he's you know in in many ways fighting against the system that he helped create, which is a very different paradigm than I'm going to make my mark on the world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that I think is is one of the one of the best things they ever did, and and a great way to start out, uh, and and you know in in their their filmmaking, they could have. I mean, if they had a choice, they may have started with Spider Man, but like having this way of like this is even though it is comic booky, it is it is guys in suits fighting each other. It is mature storytelling. Absolutely, it's not trying to be paint by numbers. It is like a, ser- a person who has serious issues going this, and without being too. Um, uh, let's say man of steel about the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. So that's my final. Idea. That's one of the things I love about it. So what have you got? Uh, I think one of the things that I, I like the most about what they do and, you know, no one does it perfectly every time, but the care and attention to even little character things that, you know, just the little elements that'll make a character more special. Um, like it stood out to me when I just, just rewatched this recently is at his last press conference when it kind of his, the first like kind of thing he says to expose himself more than he would have before was that his regret over never saying goodbye to his father. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, what's one of the first scenes we see in civil war years later, it's him talking about that, like having the simulation to, in in other words, it it sort of simulate him being able to say goodbye to his father the last time he saw him. So having little character moments like that, create a through line, even through, series and even in movies that aren't his movies um mm-hmm. you know showing that consistency to me is i mean it's not easy and if i was going to tell them anything if they would hear it i'd say look that work that you're doing is appreciated because it it really matters for having characters that you're engaged with and I, i'm just super impressed that they do it i agree i, I think i i, I was uh, i want to get into more of uh, tony and his father is a is a very very interesting subject i want to talk more about i was gonna as as and, and I will, <laughs> as we move along. There's a lot of stuff in Iron Man two, and a lot of stuff in in, mm-hmm. uh, in Avengers and things that and that talks about him and his father and stuff too. And I think Tony and his relationship with his father and stuff too um, is a is a fertile ground. And I think yeah, you're right. They started here, and they, and they build on it as it goes. They don't just forget all that stuff and just move on to what's the next problem, what's the next villain, what's the next one. That's it's still the same guy going through those issues and working through them. Like he doesn't. Just get fixed, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, and now everything's great. <laughs> I I punched this bad guy in the face, and now I feel better about my dad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like now, now you're gonna carry that stuff with you, and you're gonna have work on it for a while. Yeah, and like even even from uh, when we go from Avengers into Iron Man three, um, there's him working through his issues. I think that's that's a, mm-hmm. that's a, an important thing to to show that there is a history. Uh, and so these characters don't just forget from movie to movie stuff that happens. Like <laughs> right. this is their life that we're just seeing in, in pieces in different uh, timetables. Yeah. I love it. I love that they're, they're still for the most part doing it right. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So this is a, this is a, a good way to start things off. Iron Man uh, being a, a, still a, a consistently great movie and a great way to start um, the, our journey towards Avengers Infinity War, where probably things will change. <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, thank you, Ryan Dalton, for uh, uh, sitting in and uh, talking about Iron Man with me for about an hour. Happy that was to be a lot here. of fun. Um, uh, we, I'll put up links for everything so you can so people can go and find your books, thank you. which are available at Amazon and uh, on all good uh, 
and smart retailers all across the way. Um, uh, so my first tabletop game, Velocity 9, is going to hit Kickstarter in May of this year. Uh, it's a light strategy tabletop spaceship racing game. Um, up to six players, all sorts of cool different factions that are unique. And uh, it's a good time, uh, pretty fast-paced. And so if you're a Kickstarter and a uh, board game person, uh, keep an eye out. Absolutely, we will. And uh, hopefully we'll, about the time that uh, uh, if it comes out around the same time as the the uh, Avengers Infinity War, maybe we could, you could have you back on for one of the later episodes, like a, a Black Panther or something like that, really right beforehand, and we can talk about it. Or even afterwards, after we've seen Avengers Infinity War. I would love it. This is a blast. So any, any of these that you want me a part of uh, that, I, that, <laughs> that I can make the schedule work, I'll totally do it. All right, fantastic. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll be back uh, soon with... Uh, the next chapter of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, The Incredible Hulk, um, where you always get to see uh, Iron Man show up again, even though not in his suit. Um, and we'll have a lot to talk about with that one. So thank you all for listening. Uh, subscribe, like, share, do all the things, uh, and we'll see you on the other side. Thank you. You've been listening to the Road to Infinity podcast, brought to you by Legible Scrawl. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, or even at our website at www.legiblescrawl.com. We'll see you further on up the road.